This week's major spoiler podcast goes out to <gasps> Nathan Olson, David Marble, Fabian Cune, Ehaz Faraki, Melanie Nasalrod, Aled Littlewood, Antonio Sanchioni, Michael Krug, Tony Bishop, and Eric Trevarthen. <sighs> I'd say something funny, but I'm a very fat man, and there's a chance that I'm having some sort of coronary. So this one goes out to you. Does anybody have a defibrillator? The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. <laughs> I'm Zach. No, I'm Matthew. Matthew. What? He's Zach. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew it would all fall apart. <laughs> I knew it would all fall apart right here on issue 499 of Major Spoilers Podcast. How you doing? He walks again by night, relentlessly, ruthlessly, doggedly, towards his weekly meeting with the unknown. I'm sorry, I can't do that. We followed him. I quit. Okay. The Major Spoilers Podcast. No anchovies, you've got the wrong man. I spell my name, Matthew, is on the air! Matthew had a big inhalation of the goofballs. (laughs) (laughs) I I knew I shouldn't have... See, you know we should have quit at at issue 498. No, because then people would have missed that. That's true. Whatever that was. Uh, Matthew's computer is... Matthew's computer is overheating, and I think that his keyboard is starting to melt, and, and uh, <laughs> the fumes are coming are off. To come out of it, yeah. it's ejecting tachyon particles at a crazy rate. Yep. Anyway, like we said, four ninety nine, one <laughs> issue away from uh, five hundred. Listen, listeners, five hundredth episode. Listen, listeners, our five hundred episode is coming up next time, and uh, it's basically uh, kind of a thank you show, I guess. People. Uh, who have written in saying thanks for the show, people who have called in, some iTunes comments. If uh, there's still a little bit of time, if you want to call in to the Major Spoilers hotline and uh, share your thoughts about Major Spoilers, you can do that at the Major Spoilers hotline. Matthew, if you can compose yourself, that number number is... 785-727-1939, the Major Spoilers, I'm Serious 2 hotline. All right. Don't worry, it's just the fuses at the substation. Okay. Let's get to some news, shall we? We've had four items Something this week. Shall we? It throws me right out of my rhythm. And I'm shall like, we? A. Stop it. What? Candyman. What? Oh, Shows. Don't start. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't even want to know. So here's here's the reason why. If you've been following the Twitter, uh, next episode of the Major Spoilers podcast, the 500 that will act, that we are actually recording tonight, I think. It's one of these two that we're recording tonight. We'll mark the 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 one thousand three hundred and thirteenth episode of a podcast that I've produced. Holy crap! Yeah, that's a that's lot. Thirteen, thirteen, and the episode is being released on o one three o one three o one three o one three. You sure it's not o one three? I'm pretty sure. Yes, that's what it is. I'm pretty sure the thirteen is the number of stroke. Really, probably. That's, that's the indicator. So, you know, we'll have the Candyman pay a visit. Beetlejuice will no. pay a visit. <laughs> and I'm sure the Slender Man will pay us a visit before the end of this episode. All of them probably <laughs> eagerly wanting to talk about 
<laughs> Clerks, Triple X getting a porn parody, J.J. Abrams directing Star Wars, mm-hmm. Jimmy Olsen turning into Jenny Olsen, and Doctor Strange the movie. Let's spin that Wheel of Destiny and see I'd where we land. I'd like to apologize to Adriana for mentioning the S hyphen M word because she just dived under a desk I don't somewhere. think that it's hyphenated. It's two separate words. Slender It is man. if you want to say it so he doesn't know where you are. Oh, Okay. Some faceless being with these things. Because then he'll find you. Long suit. It's like when, standing on the when corner. When I went to Slenderman.com, looking I used at the, your address, so he'd come look <laughs> <for> me. <laughs> He's watching there with his blank stare, the wheel stopping on. Jimmy Olsen is Jenny Olsen. Uh, we recorded an episode of the Dueling Review podcast a little bit earlier, so we're a little goofy. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. A little, a little, you can a hear that bit. on, I don't know, it's the podcast after this. Oh, speaking of, Someday. might as well just get this out of the way now, right? People yes. have been asking for a long time, oh, I sure hate subscribing to all your shows, or, hey, I didn't know you had that other show, or, wait a minute, you guys are doing this too? Well, here's what you need to do. You need to head over to iTunes. It'll be appearing on the website shortly, but you need to check out the Major Spoilers uh, Podcast Network Master Feed that's out there. Just do a search for Major Spoilers on iTunes. You'll find it. It's the feed that contains all of our master feed contains all of our shows in one handy form. So if you like listening to major spoilers, master feed, the hero of the Halo. Don't tell people it's a secret. I'm sorry. Kind of like the, that one guy that everybody doesn't want to talk about. Yes. Candyman. No, Zach. Uh, Jenny Olsen is Jimmy Olsen is to become Jenny Olsen. So, um, you know, we've known a lot of the cast members, for the upcoming yeah. Man of Steel movie, but no one is really, I mean, we knew that Lawrence Fishburne was going to be uh, uh, Perry White. That caused mm-hmm. some some consternation among some people. Uh, but the one that uh, never really appeared until just recently was the role of Jimmy Olsen. In fact, if you go over to the IMDb, it doesn't even list Jimmy Olsen, but it does list the very cute Rebecca Bueller as Jenny Olsen. So, Matthew, it looks like we're doing a little bit of a Rule 63 here. With uh, well, with the Man of Steel, I, I don't have a problem with that. Mostly because if you go back to Jimmy Olsen number one, so right, like nineteen fifty, is this Jimmy Olsen number Jimmy one Olsen. or Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen? Why you got to do that? I just want to make sure that everyone's clear. There's one Jimmy Olsen. It is Superman's pal colon Jimmy Olsen, and <laughs> they do that to make me hate them. But Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, number one, in 1959, features a story entitled Jimmy Olsen Gangster's Mole, where Jimmy puts on a dress to fool uh, someone who's basically Dillinger into, uh, I don't know, uh, moving the plot along. But I don't have a problem with I don't have a problem with uh, Morpheus playing Perry White. Uh, the, the term for that on TV tropes is the race lift. Hmm. There's nothing hmm. wrong with that to me because there's nothing about Perry White. That exclusively says that his oh, no. character no, no, no. has to be, you know, a, a, a Caucasian. Nope. And the people who are who are who are upset about this, if there are such people, oh, there there are. I think are really well, and a lot of different people have played the character. If you'll remember in uh, the Lois and Clark television show, mm-hmm. he was played as an Elvis fan. Yes, from Texas, right? Which I thought was awesome, but was completely unlike the Kurt Swan Perry White of the Silver Age. Mm-hmm. I think that having having Jimmy Olsen be Jenny Olsen is going to be awesome so long as they don't put her in a triangle with Lois and Clark. Well, that would be the Assuming only thing that, that 
you know, we don't know what the relationship between Lois and Clark or, or Superman is going to be. I mean, there's already that weird triangle right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it would be kind of the it would be kind of their out to say, hey, we need another female centric character in here. Let's just make Jimmy Jenny. And if we have to work it out to where there is some kind of secondary crush thing going on with Jenny, then we it's easy to explain away. That would be my fear is that that's what they're doing. I hope they just play her as a, a just a straight, you know, cub reporter girl who wants to get out there and do things. And um, or even a not straight cub reporter girl who's still got a crush on Lucy. No, no, no. That, you know what I mean? Just play her without, you know, having to screw around with stuff. Um, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, you could put that female character in exactly the same oh, yeah, yeah. place mm-hmm. in the story that Jimmy has and, you know, play it completely just so this is the character. This is what she does. I guess, Rodrigo, if you're going to replace Jimmy Olsen and put in a female cub reporter, why go with Jenny Olsen? Why not just go with Maggie Jones? I think uh, I think it's it's a, a move to say this is Jimmy Olsen. Sure. Because if they take him out and they replace Jimmy Olsen with, you know, I don't know. Chloe Karina, Sullivan. Yes. <laughs> Chloe Sullivan. Um, then people are going to be sitting there waiting for Jimmy Olsen to show up. But if they're like, oh, no, no, it's Jenny Olsen because there's no Jimmy Olsen in this universe. It's, you know, a girl now. Then people won't be like, oh, Oh, okay. I see it now. Yeah, all right. So, Zach, do you know who Jimmy Olsen is? I guess we should ask you. Oh, uh, yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. What do you think about this big news? Um, I doesn't bother me at all. I don't have any. I've never read really much any super, uh, Superman, so I have no connection to the character. So the fact that he's going from male to female in a movie adaptation doesn't really bother me at all. Yeah, it doesn't it really doesn't bother me at all. I'm just like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Make sure it's a good I'm actually know. less bothered by this than by Kate Bosworth being the 19-year-old Lois Lane in Superman Returns. Because yeah. that mm-hmm. casting damaged the movie. Well, I think the <laughs> creepy, well, creepy stalker, uh, deadbeat dad Superman kind of yeah. ruined that movie. So, well, how old was the kid in that movie? Seven? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So she was 16 when she slept with Superman. Uh, I don't think no, they said. Because I mean, then... Kate I... Bosworth was like 24 or 25 or something ridiculous when she was playing the Lois Lane character. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and and she looked really young. Oh sure. No, I mean that when I when I saw this, I was like, oh, I wonder when they said you know they're changing uh, Jimmy Olsen's gender. I thought like, oh, so this is just so they can recast the person that they had as Lois Lane as Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> yeah, and the, the woman that they young. the woman that they have the picture of her that showed up on major spoilers really striking. Yeah, she is. She's really, really pretty. Yeah, yeah. You can go do a search for. Um, um, uh, Rebecca Bueller, and she is very, she, very, very pretty. You know, I guess I'm my only concern with this is that something like this seems like it needs to be motivated. Well, that's um, that's the question, though. Is mm-hmm. it going to be motivated enough to justify the gender switch as opposed to, hey, here's a gimmick right. or here's another potential love interest? It's. You know, I I still want this and, character to be strong, but there needs to be a reason for doing it. Like having a character, you know, people can be upset or not upset about it, but 
changing the gender of a character actually is a big deal. Gender is a big deal. And I, I, I worry that in the same way that um, changing or, or ha- casting an African-American as Perry White and not talking about it is the right thing to do, um, that switching Jimmy Olsen's gender and not making a big deal about it is the wrong thing to do in a way. It's like, I'm going to be going to this movie, I think, looking for a reason as to why Jimmy Olsen's a girl now. Um, and I hope that, and, and the thing is, is like, if there is a reason and the character is drastically different from the normal Jimmy Olsen, then I'll think to myself, well, why isn't this a, a completely different character anyway? Right, why isn't right. it just mm-hmm. a, a reverse gendered Jimmy Olsen? Right. I guess the, the, the best possible scenario is, um, a, a, a thing like, you know, when you uh, are reading lines for a play or whatever, and then somebody comes in and like does a completely different mm-hmm. reading of it, even mm-hmm. though it's the mm-hmm. same line or whatever. I yeah. wonder if all of the gee whiz Clark, you don't stand a chance with Lois and golly, that Luthor guy sure seems evil stuff is going to sound different coming from um, a pretty girl instead of a schmucky guy. Well, especially if, but, uh, especially if Superman's pal, Jenny Olsen has a secret crush. Ah, gee whiz, yeah. Clark, that, that Lois sure is mean to you, batting the eyes playfully. Um, Boy, I but you know, do that. well, I hope not either, but it, it seems like to now, be the only were, reason they, to uh, do it. That's the problem. And that's the thing is like, wouldn't it have been just been a better move to, if they were going to do that, to just keep Jimmy male. Well, yeah, that might have been fine too. I mean, but you know, if you want to throw, if you want to throw a different reading on the character, just make him gay. Yeah. yeah. Um. The um. You know, one of the things when you're when you're casting people is you always want to find the best actor for the role, even if that person mm-hmm. is a female. Mm-hmm. And there have been a number of times where the character was supposed to be a male as it was written, but then it got uh, flipped around. And I think one of the more recent ones that I remember is uh, Adam Carolla's The Hammer. Uh, there is a brilliant scene where he is playing opposite um, uh, the woman from Glee, the the coach from Glee. What's her name? Sue Sylvester. Yeah, yeah. The, the woman that plays her. They'd actually had a man cast for this role that Adam Carolla plays in, in The Hammer against her. But I guess she was doing a favor or just came in to do a read or something. And they're just like, you know what? Her in this role would be so much better than a guy in this role. And that's the way it flipped. If I remember correctly, now I may be wrong, but it's, it's those kinds of things where this person would really make this story or this scene or this element so much better. And that may be the case here. It, it could be to uh, bring it back around to JJ Abrams. I've seen a, a few of the interviews that they did when they were casting lost. And a lot of the characters, a lot of where the characters like, were and their backstories came from the actors because mm-hmm. they're like well we didn't mean for like this character to be korean but we got two really good korean actors so they're korean now and we're changing their backstory to fit better yeah, yeah. that sort of thing yeah cool I, I don't know i'm not opposed to it just like whenever they announced Lawrence fishburne would be playing perry white not against it just like when they announced kevin costner was going to be playing a uh, pa kent not against it i i i'm really interested be controversial well kevin costner kevin costner (laughs) is kind of a flip of the coin really on any given movie i i watched uh 
Prince of Thieves again recently, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And um, yeah, he really only holds a British accent for the first 15 seconds <laughs> of that movie. Uh, you know, Robin Hood, it's uh, Jesus of Malibu. Yeah. But I, I liked Kevin Costner in The Usable Suspects. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was good in that. He was good in Field of Dreams. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, spacey, my bad. you know, oh, Usual Suspects. I thought you meant, um, what's the... Uh, the postman? No, no, the please. <laughs> I'm talking about the Sean Connery. Rock, Rock World. The the Untouchables. Rock that's Rock what I was thinking. Usual suspects, Untouchables. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking. Oh, that, um, yeah, that movie's tolerable due to Sean Connery. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, listeners, you can head over to majorspoilers.com. You can check out that story and many more all over at the site, including a brand new look at an international Lone Ranger poster, which kind of looks like the the regular Lone Ranger poster. Yeah. Except that it's got right. Johnny it's De- Johnny Depp as the, uh, I guess, <laughs> it's got Johnny Depp. Speaking of uh, strange roles and and people that they're playing, it Johnny Depp as the uh, lead uh, name on the mm-hmm. on the on the on the sign. So right, and His he's also not playing actually. Tonto internationally. He has a different name. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. actually a Lone Ranger, like Lobo Fuerza or something. I don't remember what his name actually is. Is internationally okay. You can find those stories and come If only we knew someone international. Uh, Tonto's name, in, at least in Spanish-speaking countries, is Toro. Like T-O-R-O. The bull? Toto. Yep. All right. Because Tonto means stupid. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it's better to be bull than to be stupid. Yep. And it's funny because the Lone Ranger was actually wildly popular in Mexico and there's like a real culture around it. Like people still talk about it. It's still kind of ingrained in things. So there are a lot of jokes and like random things about this character named Toro as like, but the original source material does not actually even his real, his actual name. Yep. All right, listeners. It's all over there at majorspoilers.com. And we want to give a special shout out to everyone who has uh, made a contribution to the cause that uh, two, five, ten dollar a month recurring donation sure does help. And we really, really appreciate everyone, everyone, everyone. And we'd like to see more of you get on board that uh, donation bandwagon in the coming year. Check out uh, slash loot dot com if you want to help out in another way and wear it proudly on your body. Mm-hmm. The critical hit T-shirts for fans of our Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I don't think we say that enough on this show. We have another podcast, Dungeons and Dragons. It's a real play tabletop game. Uh, it is uh, fairly popular, I would say. Right, Rodrigo? Yeah, people like it. Yeah, people dig it. And uh, for fans of that, you can go check out slash loot.com. Five different shirts. You can wear one every day of the week. All right, let us get to some reviews. <laughs> no, you can't. Besides those sure you can. seven days. <laughs> no, you can wear one every day of the week. He didn't mean like a different like clean. one. He you mean, mean like you can, you can wear, wear one? one Man, I remember. You can wear one for a week. <laughs> so here's and how it bad. Stands on its own. You go to the next. Here's here's how bad it was when I was a uh, when I was transitioning from senior in high school to my first year in college. My parents, for that summer, for whatever reason, were just like, "You don't have to get a job. You just hang around if you want. You don't have to do anything." And I was like, "What? No mowing the grass, no work in the garden, no getting a job." They're like, "No," because it was like the last summer that they were going to see me. Wow. And so it, it was basically a pair of cutoff jeans. <laughs> the same tank top and and shirt every day the entire summer. <laughs> it's like I roll out of bed, put that stuff on, go out on the back porch, sit and read Doc Savage books, go hang out with my friends. At night, 
throw them on the floor, go to bed, next day repeat. <laughs> so yeah, you can wear the okay. same critical hit shirt every day of the week. Yeah, that's just horrifying. But please don't. <laughs> yes. If you're going to be around us, please change your clothes. Get three Randuses if you have to, and just rotate him in. Go yeah. Torque Randus, Trell Randus. Zach sees me every day. That's uh, kind of my thing. I got Randus. like six different yeah. black shirts and mm-hmm. six different pairs of khakis. I just don't ever say anything. <laughs> it's the Einstein dressing theory. Yeah, yeah. Steve Jobs. You that's what I'm trying to, to be. Waste any brain power. Reviews. I'm trying to be Steve Jobs. Do 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 do. Right? Isn't that what it is? All right. <laughs> Let us jump back. Uh, oh, well, wait. I think all of these come out. I think all these come out this week, right? Mine's last week. Oh, yours is last is week. We will start with Zach. Mind management number seven. Yeah. From Image Comics. Calm down there, Zach. I like this series. Okay. It's really good. And even though Matthew, I don't think, likes it. You should probably read it because who listens to Matthew? I didn't like it. I said it wasn't a comic book. I said it's a movie pitch. Oh, it's a good thing because it's now being well, turned into a movie. Yeah, look at that. And no, no it's a comic book. And <laughs> that issue number seven. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had forgotten that you had been able to override me on comic book questions. Just this one. Uh, we're not going to pull rank, are we? Yeah, yeah, we are. I'm sorry. Because uh, let me tell you, if somebody's rank around here, it's definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's been wearing that same shirt since Saturday. <laughs> that explains so uh, much. Anyway, mind right, management here's, number seven. Here's this. Here's the Matt story. Kent and Matt Kent. Yes, Matt Kent and his um, same self. This is issue number seven, and it kicks off a new arc <laughs> for mind management. And this one. Uh, you'll see a lot of the same characters of Henry Lime and Maru, and we get to introduce some new characters. I think what this arc is supposed to be about is showing what mind management was and some of the players that used to be in it. So in this issue, it focuses on one of their guys that did advertisements for them who would, as if you know, would sway the public as in mind management does and get the public to do what they want. So... Uh, Maru gets a letter and she spends the entire issue basically tracking down, trying to find who sent this letter. We don't really know what the letter is. It's just she needs to find who wrote it so she can get back to writing her book that she almost wrote in the first arc, but then lost her mind again. If this were a movie pitch, I would not be wanting to buy this movie. You wouldn't? No, not on that description. Well, this is just... Well, this isn't out yet. Oh, okay. Well... My description's horrible. <laughs> read the read the first six issues. Okay, I will do that. Uh, so I mean, plot wise, it doesn't really advance a lot besides introducing this new character who is basically I don't think we're going to see him again. Uh, it's just more backstory of mind management and how it plays. And Lime and Rue get hooked back up, and he's still trying to recover her memory so she can tell the story of mind management so people can know what this agency was all about. It's, it's, it's basically just setting up the rest of the arc. Not a fantastic issue. There are some problems that I think they're with it. In the first arc, they did, uh, they would release information in the side of the panel. Uh, because, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, it'd be like, it basically is like the comic book layout thing but it's supposed to be your report of the agent's report and it would always be the same and then towards the end of the arc the word started changing 
and it was giving you clues and like telling you kind of what was about ready to happen in the story. In this in this issue, it's more blunt and there's more of it. At the bottom of their page, it's telling you about letter writers for mind management that they use to sometimes kill people or get with them to do. It's pretty blunt. It goes along with the story, but it's not as subtle as it was in the first arc. And also, there's another story adder on the side of about some... I think it's a novel. It's an excerpt of a novel about some lady who killed her husband and kids and the writer is researching it. Don't really know what that's about yet, but I feel like the first arc did so well in being subtle about all the hidden clues that were in this book that the way they're doing it now, it is it's it loses some of its power because it's right there in front of you and there's double of it, so it takes twice as long to read a page. So that's my only big complaint about this issue the art is i mean if you like matt can art it should be pretty good it's consistent throughout i like the water painting i don't see that a lot i don't know if i've really liked it as much as when i've seen it but this is very nice coloring all in all this is a three slice of meatloaf book it's still good and i'm waiting for the rest of the arc to pick up all right it's out this week from Image Comics. Last week from Dark Horse. Oh, last week from Dark Horse. You know, for whatever reason, mind management, every time I think of that, it's for I always associate it with Image Comics. I don't know why. It, it kind of would be image an image has book. that book, Mind the Gap. That may be oh, it. Oh, yeah, that's I true. Think, I think that the titles, because kind of, they merged in my head, I thought this was Mind the Gap up until the point that he explained to me it's about Harry Lyme. So, you know, I love me some Orson Welles. <laughs> All right, so a new arc coming out in mind management number seven the mm-hmm. end of a series with orchid number 12 rodrigo yeah mind management oh sorry um i meant orchid uh so yes uh this is Rage a it's the future machine yes this is a uh 12 issue series and this is the 12th issue and as is often the case with uh series or with a uh, mini series um this issue is mostly, uh, how do you say, a denouement. Um, that is to say... I believe you say denouement. Yes, I believe so. <laughs> what the French called a certain, uh, whatever they call it. Um, yeah, the this issue is mostly, most of the action happened last issue. Last issue was like the giant climax where people were dying and stuff. There's one last hurrah. Where like the the big bad and orchid face off, um, and then things are then decided. Which I, I really don't want to spoil it because it is a pretty good uh, post apocalyptic um, tale of uh, betrayal and redemption. So um, if you are into any of those things, I do recommend that you pick up uh, Orchid. I know the the first volume that collects like issues one through five or one through six uh, is already out uh, the the trade. So I do recommend that that people go out and find it. As far as this issue goes, again, it, there's a little bit in the beginning that kind of uh, ties things up, and then it's mostly the stuff that happens afterward. You know, we spring forward five years and we see what the effects of the war were on this population. Um, it's not bad. It's not, it wasn't that interesting to me, I guess, but you need that, you know, when you have a complete story and it just like, boom, ends right at the final battle. 
uh, it can be a little bit jarring to just finish things there. So I understand the necessity for this issue. Uh, obviously not my favorite issue in the run. Um, I would give it three and a half slices of meatloaf. Um, and uh, the art is still good. It's still consistent. It's uh, very colorful. The uh, There's a lot of weird monsters in it, which I like. Um, so, uh, yeah, I recommend that uh, if you guys get a chance, at least pick up the first couple issues. Give them a look, see if it's something you're interested in, because it's actually a lot of fun. Okay, so a couple of questions, Rodrigo. Um, I remember when this was first teased, like, way back in 2010, because it was a series that ran through mm-hmm. 2000. No, I'm sorry, 2011, and it ran through 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Does it still have the punch that uh, that Dark Horse was going for? It It's pretty graphic. It's gory. It's violent. Um, people just get taken out, you know, you get a little bit back, you know, you get a little bit of that, like, like out of 20 characters that you meet, probably 10 of them die Mm. and some of them do make it all the way to the end, but you don't know which ones. Um, and you do get at least one dead character that turns out to not have been dead. Um, and I'm not going to tell you which one it is. No, no, no. no, Largely because I've forgotten their name. So, uh, Um, Tom Morello. The writer on this, right? He's the writer. Mm-hmm. Yes. How do you do on that? Uh, I, I think we're there's a big flip that happens about probably I want to say five issues in, five or six issues in, that really kicks it into gear. And if you were floundering before, like that, that's gonna be the moment when you decide oh yeah no this is this is something i'm interested in or oh no this is where they're going with it so no no thank you uh Um, one final question and it is kind of that i think it's 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 a a moment where you you really need to figure out whether this is something that you're interested in and uh, obviously you know that's something that was planned i don't think that um that's something that happens because of poor writing i think this is just a, a really kind of hardcore story that has very specific supernatural things about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you, you know, some like, it's like potentially you could enjoy say something like twilight, right? If you are willing to take that step and say, okay, well, instead of exploding into ash, maybe vampires can be all twinkly, mm-hmm. right? If you're mm-hmm. not willing to take that leap, then you're not going to enjoy it at all. Um, and it's the same thing with this. It's like when you're presented with basically the big important thing in the story, you could very well go, oh, wait, no, that that was stupid. The uh, solicitation touts a musical soundtrack or a musical score with every issue. Mm-hmm. I yep. have not. I did not check that out. Um, Is this something that it's like I sheet have. music that's included or what's the deal? I think it's like a, I think it's a download. Oh, OK. Yeah, I believe so. Okay. You can put in a code and download a song or a couple of songs that go with it. I think either that or they just tell you which songs go oh, with I it. See. Uh, okay. I see. They all go, da-da, da-da, <laughs> Oh, what was it? Alabaster, mm-hmm. which is another series that I reviewed. I think that one also had that. Oh, okay. And the main reason why I didn't check it out was because a lot of the time I wasn't at a place where I could download a song like I was either reading this on my tablet like mm-hmm. at work um, 
lunch or something like that. Um, but also I was leery of it because musical taste is very different. Oh, sure. People. And I was, I was like, Oh, I'm way into the story. And then it was going to be like a sponsored thing or just a pick that I wasn't going to like. And then they start playing it and I'm like, Oh wait, I don't like this book anymore. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Okay. I was just curious about that because I didn't know what they were what they were talking about. So orchid number 12 out this week from dark horse comics. Um, you know, I've got to go to IDW publishing. And once again, I am drawn into the Mars attacks event. (laughs) I don't know why there's something fascinating about this and how they're playing this off in all of these different books Uh, out this week from IDW publishing Mars attacks, zombies versus robots. Now I don't know much about the zombies versus robots uh, series, a couple of series that they've had except that there are zombies and then there are robots fighting the zombies. I think that's probably all you need to know. But Matthew, you and I, last time we were talking about uh, Mars attacks, the, these books, how you were talking about how the Martians attacks are occurring during these different time periods and how that may somehow play right. into this. Well, in Mars attacks zombies, right. the Martians are on Mars and um, they say all of our past attempts have failed. And so they are making reference to all the other previous attacks that have happened in years past. Mm-hmm. And, but now we think we have the solution. Right. Now we think we have the solution. We have built a Stargate. And it looks just like the Stargate from SG-1, although it's conveniently blurred out and, and whatnot. Uh, and, oh, we've discovered the uh, the Earthlings have built a Stargate, too. And we have the ability to, on our end to connect They've put this Stargate inside their nuclear bunker. We will go in and set off the nukes and destroy all the all the men, all the man, all mad. And it sounds like a great uh, idea. Matthew, you won't like it because uh, all the ACACs have been replaced with with uh, translations. <laughs> all been replaced with translations. So I guess the problem with that this sucks. portal, I guess the problem with this portal is nothing organic can pass through or else it explodes on the other side. So the Martians oh, like Terminator. wear these special suits that allow them to pass through the portal and they send one of their uh, crack teams a- across the other side and they're like, hmm, where's all the security? Where's all the people? Oh, it looks like somebody may have already been into the nuclear facility because half the wall is taken out. Ah, look, the humans are over there in their cities. We'll just go over there and destroy them over there. Yeah, I can't wait to kill them filthy humans. And then they get over there and they're, they're zombies and they can't understand that what's going on at first. And then they're like, oh, something has reanimated these dead humans. Oh, how pathetic. Ack, ack. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so they decide ack, to ack, go ack. back to the. Uh, to their portal and go back home. And that's when they meet the robots. And first they think that there's just humans inside the robots. But the robots are like, oh, no, we're, you know, self-functioning. Uh, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. What are you things? We need to kill you. And they're like, oh no, we're from another planet. Uh, we're very friendly. We're just here to help these uh, humans who have uh, become diseased. We can fix them. We can cure them. And the robots are like, oh, okay, yeah. Well, how about you, the leader, come with me and uh, show me you know, the portal that you got in. And um, you can take the rest of your friends and our robots will go over there and we'll get you some supplies and stuff. And uh, it suddenly turns into, you know, spy versus spy where they both have daggers behind their backs as they're patting each other and (laughs) arms around their shoulders because, you know, the Martians are thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to destroy these robots without a problem. And the robots are basically saying, oh, yeah, we're going to kill you. And that's exactly what they do. The robots turn on the Martians, kill all the Martians, 
and uh, send a very uh, specific message through the portal back to the uh, to the Martian homeworld, and that's kind of how the uh, issue ends. So hmm. Mars a, attacks ag, 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 zombies versus robots. Not too many zombies. I'm glad none of the Martians turned into zombies. Hmm. You know, one of them does get his head eaten off. Another one does get bit on the leg. Oh, Martians can't become zombies. I guess not. They have those they, really they big brains. The they have those really big brains, the and the uh, zombies are really after it. Yeah. Is it? That's where it is? Like a delicacy for zombies. Thank goodness I've got my pancreas removed, huh? <laughs> don't have to worry about turning into a zombie. Anyway, this, I, I don't know why I keep reading these, these books, because I'm like, what a dumb premise. And then I read it, and I'm like, oh, this was really fun. <laughs> And uh, that's what happened this week. Thanks for the three dollars. What a three dollars and ninety nine cents. Chris Ryle, uh, brilliant guy over there at uh, IDW, uh, wrote this. John Roush is the artist. Uh, This is a really a fun read. Uh, I say pick it up. Spend the four bucks. This again, it's got Martians, zombies, and robots fighting each other. Mm. How can you go wrong? Well. You got the ack. Well, they could (laughs) take out the ack. Three and a half. Three and a half slices of meatloaf. For me, uh, it's it's fun. Ack. All right, ack, ack. there is a new book we were just made aware of this week from Actuality Press, and I don't know if it's only available. I, I guess it's uh, you can get it in uh, digital sure. Kindle editions, but you can also get it in print for two dollars and fifty cents. And I think maybe it's the premise, Matthew, especially in light of some recent online controversies that may have had you pick up Geek Girl Number Zero. Actually, what got me was the uh, cover the art sneak peek on major spoilers, the yeah. cover art. Now, one thing that I did not realize from the cover picture that we the way that Stephen cropped the picture, I did not realize that the character's costume consists of a baby tee and what are essentially like boy shorts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and yes, I know what boy shorts are, but I'm kind of fine with that because the cover is just kind of adorable. Um Geek Girl Number Zero from Actuality Press. As a number zero issue, it's kind of I'm I'm expecting it to set everything up. What I didn't necessarily expect was a very strong kind of Kevin Smith vibe. And by that I don't mean that it reminds me so much of clerks or anything that Kevin Smith has written, but it seems to fit into that same sort of sensibility. Uh, Geek Girl opens with uh, the story of Ruby, who apparently has superpowers. And in the first page, we see her flying around with her superpowers in full costume. And then she says, how did this happen? And then flashback, Garth. That's a that's a reference there, Zach. No, I got that one. Okay, I I didn't know if you were old enough to know. (laughs) Wayne's World, 1990s. Mm -hmm. He, He totally saw that when he was seven. It was fascinating because it was older than he was supposed to be. (laughs) And this, the flashback is pretty funny. The flashback basically has a a young scientist who has created a pair of glasses that give you superhuman powers. And he's talking about how wonderful it is and how awesome it is. And the girl at the next table, Ruby, and her friend overhear this. And they're like, what's going on? He's like, these are totally superpower glasses. And Ruby's like, I totally want them. And of course, he's like, no, there's no way you're getting my glasses. And Ruby says to her friend, let's make out. So they make out to get the guy's attention. And then they play strip poker with the winner getting the glasses. Ah. Now, you know who wins this? Because, of course, it's not called Geek Boy. 
Although a male character in that outfit would be just horrifying. But overall, there are three things that I love about this issue. I really like the overall character design, especially as it appears on the cover. I really kind of like the voice. It has a voice of, of, of that. I don't necessarily want to call it that, that slacker generation. Cause I haven't been in my twenties since the Clinton administration, well. <laughs> but it feels, it feels like what I expect kind of a realistic 20 something vibe. There are scenes set in a nightclub. And of course we find that the glasses also have a slight programming glitch that make her really, really super klutzy, which I don't know if I love or hate. And throughout this issue, we just get little vignettes of what happens when she gets the glasses and interrupts, interacts with things. I don't know if this is finished art or not. It's sketchy, but it's sketchy in a good way. It kind of reminds me of the black and white yeah, comics yeah, yeah. boom of the 80s when I yeah. was a kid. Um, she does her first good deed, and at the end, there's a mysterious creature standing in the shadows watching to see... And of course, you know, you got to do that. There's a villain involved. So do we find out why she's called Geek Girl? Um, yeah. Because the glasses oh. are the kind of glasses that girls wear to try and look smart and geeky. I see. Come on, mm. Steven. You you don't have a safe search. You know about glasses. <laughs> but <laughs> overall, I paid a dollar for the digital edition of this book. And I probably, I would say I got more than a dollar worth of entertainment out of it. Had I paid for a $2.50 copy, I think I would have been happy. Now, here's the thing that may be problematic. The two fifty copy of the print issue, presuming it has the same page count, is basically 16 pages. Right. So 16 pages for two fifty, as opposed to your standard big two comic, 20 pages for two ninety nine. I'm thinking that if they go to a full-length story or a longer story, this may push this book up to monthly a 350 title. Hmm. I'm not sure if if in this form it's a 350 title. I will say that I liked it, uh, Rodrigo style. I found that parts of it were kind of snarky in a good way. Parts of it were snarky in a way that I'm not entirely comfortable with. Nothing really entirely cliché. But the whole, how are we going to get these off of him? I know, let's make out. That was one of those moments where I'm like, this could be really awesome, or this could be incredibly lame, and I can't decide which it is, so I'm going to go with lamesome. This is actually... Where I can deal with... And this is actually, I guess it's now available in digital, I don't know, but this actually came out in October of 2012. So it's really kind of old, but it's also new. Yeah, no, I uh, it's, it was it's ju- well, but it's in- it, it comes out this week, but it's the digital edition that is now available this week, which is still cool because one of the things that we don't yeah. know about is that, you know, a lot of these smaller presses and a lot of these, I don't want to say vanity press, but we don't know who's in charge of actuality yeah. press. Um, but uh, it's a small press uh, written by Sam Johnson, art by Sally Stone Thompson uh, came out in October 2012. Yeah. You can get the uh, digital version for a buck. From actualitypress.com, or maybe what's the other address here that I have for them? Geekgirlcomics.com. Go check them out. I would give it three and a half slices of meatloaf. It's a pretty impressive start. I mean, it's it's as well written as some of the books that I'm getting, you know, month over month that I'm buying mm-hmm. for other characters. Um, even books that have mysteriously not yet been canceled. 
from DC. But one thing you want to go in knowing, um, I'm not entirely sure how it would play if you are highly feminist. And I'm not entirely sure how it would play if you're offended by displays of cleavage. Because there are a couple of those, um, you know, pretty clearly here. I would ha- I would be more comfortable, and I think the character's costume would be super awesome if she had long tights like Kelly Kelly wears rather than the boy shorts. But either way, I think, you know, six or eight months from now when issue one comes out, <laughs> that's mean. That's a small press convention that I shouldn't play into. When issue one comes out, I'm definitely interested in looking at it. I'm definitely interested in seeing more of this book and seeing if it goes someplace really, really awesome. Yeah, I was just looking, trying to see if if the first issue is out. I know that they're teasing several other uh, comics, but I don't. Uh, I see previews of issue zero. I don't see. Uh, I don't see the first issue yet. So maybe it'll come out. Hopefully, it does. I, I'm interested. I flipped through this as you were as you were talking about it, and uh, not bad, not bad at all. Not all right, bad. I, I I like it. Listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can check out this sneak peek of Geek Girls, uh, Geek Girl that we're talking about. You can check out a Sneaky bunch of other reviews. Girl. Sneak peek Geek Girl. Sneaky peeky geeky. Um, yeah, you can Wasn't check out that, that and a whole bunch more. Song? In fact, you can check out this variant cover to The Age of Ultron number one by Scotty Young. And if you know Scotty Young's art where he likes to take yeah. heroes and turn them into little, little Muppet little babies. Tikes. Uh, you're going to love this Age of Ultron cover. I thought it was Muppet funny. babies. <laughs> you know, it turns them into the child version of uh, of everything. Muppet babies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all of them owned by the same company now. Yes, they are. See? That's very true. It's very true. Let us X-Men talk about babies. our poll of the week this week. Steven. Yes? Steven. What? You know what's really cool about the poll of the week? Oh, I don't know, Matthew. What is really cool about the poll of the week? I like the it's, way we it, open it. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. How does that go, by the way? Because, you know, sometimes you'll be in the middle of the show and you'll just be like, like, oh, isn't it about time for the Zach's looking the- at me just like, oh, this headache oh, suddenly come on at this point in the show every week. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's at me. <laughs> I can't even say let's, it. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on, Stephen. To what shall we move on to, Matthew? It's time. There we go. That's why we're ending this show at issue 499, so there's not a 500th issue. 500 issues, and you haven't gotten this right. That's 496 consecutive times. Of what? It's time! What's it time for? For the major spoilers. Poll of the week, 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 week. So I was uh, driving through our little town today mm-hmm. off to get some lunch and I saw one of those uh, inspirational stickers in the window. Yeah. You know, the, all you need is or whatever that's like, you know, <laughs> they say <laughs> inspirational stickers. Some people could be, you know, cash, grass or ass. You know, it's nothing like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. He said it. But, you know, it's one of those in, in, inspirational yeah. Klingons. Uh, Klingons. Klingon sticker things. Klingon. <laughs> All you need is a bathlet. Yes. <laughs> a bathlet. <laughs> <laughs> um, Today it's a good day to die. But what do we really need more of in this window sticker? It was hope, faith, or love. 
All you need is hope, faith, or love. And so the question is, do we really need more? What do you really need more of? Hope, faith, love, the major spoilers, or other? And we ask people to use the comment section for their other. So, uh, Rodrigo, what do you what do you really need more of? Hope, faith, love, major spoilers, or other? And to be honest, and I'll say this right now, the major spoilers one was supposed to be the joke answer, <laughs> right? But anyway, if you answered that, that's fine. Um... I guess out of the ones that are here, I don't know that I want more of any of them. What? Uh, except maybe major spoilers. Because um, I really can't. I can't afford any more love. I already have a lot of relatives and a girlfriend and stuff. I can't spend any more money like this on people that I care about. Um, Faith, I keep betting on the wrong horse on things, you know, so I should probably have a little bit less of that. And of course, uh, hope, um, I guess I could use a little bit more of that. Cause I just always feel that I'm doomed no matter what I do. Um, so I'm going to go with other and, uh, pick tacos. <laughs> oh, I have to tell you, you why, have to though, tell us why. Yeah. Yes. They are good to eat. So what is a good taco? Um, I like... Hard shell, uh, soft shell? Uh, there's no such thing as a hard shell taco. What? what? But I go to Taco Bell and they have that thing called the, the, the hard shell taco. Now, is yeah. that for real or is that just your opinion coming out? Uh, no, that's... Uh, well, okay. It depends what you mean. Is that for real? Because, um, for example, there will be people out there who will tell you that i don't know um well i I, tacos totally exist y'all yeah exactly i mean it there's when i say there's no such thing as a hard shell taco i mean in mexico where tacos uh come from if you (laughs) order a taco you will never ever be handed a hard shell taco because that's not what they are if you want something where the tortilla has been fried, there are different names for that. But chances are you're not going to get it in a little, like, bent way. You're going to get a fried flat tortilla with stuff on top of it. They call them, like, flautas or chimmy chorritos. Chalupas. Right, something right. Like Chalupa, that. right. So, no, there's no such thing. Uh, so, in Mexico, there's no such thing as hard gel taco. Now, I, I'm, a, I'm a, I understand, you know, mimetic drift and things like that. So clearly to Americans, a taco is something else than it is to Mexicans. So if something is A, contains some amount of tortillas, B, has a ground beef and shredded cheese, it is a taco. Totally. Presumably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For example, it allows you to have such a an insane concept as a taco salad. <laughs> Right. I mean, think about that. Right? <laughs> if you think about what a taco actually is, which is a tortilla with stuff inside it, a taco mm-hmm. salad could only could, could really only be a taco platter there with, you go. with stuff around <laughs> it. Maybe, there right? you go. But no, a taco salad is a salad with shredded cheese, probably tortilla chips and um, some kind of beef. beef. Yeah. So. So when I tell you that there's no such thing as a hard shell taco, of course, I don't mean that. You know, Americans have the, the opportunity crazy Americans. and the ability to call whatever they, they, they want a taco. 
Um, it's their country, and that's fine. But if you go to Mexico and you ask for a hard shell taco, yeah. um, people are going to look at yeah. you like you're crazy. Largely because also nobody calls them shells now. <laughs> so if also, you try to directly translate the word shell, <laughs> chances are you're actually, they're going to go like, oh, this guy's into the good stuff. They're going to go out back, find you a turtle, <laughs> open it up, fry it on the inside, and hand it to you on the shell. <laughs> now, I will... Uh... Don't get Rodrigo started about the Enchirito and Mexi fries. <laughs> yeah, Mexi fries are a good one. I will say every quote-unquote authentic taco truck that I've ever been to the tacos are always just a, you know, a regular tortilla. Mm-hmm. But I guess the only problem I have is always too much cilantro. Or whatever that is. That no, there's no such thing as too much cilantro. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of cilantro. Really? Right? I mean, and that's the thing. That's Mexican food. Most Mexican food, most Mexican dishes are going to have a fair amount of onion, garlic, and cilantro. Mm. It's it's just, it's just It's what gives it the flavor. And in at some point... In the United States, I think people did decide. They're like, oh, no, I kind of don't like that. So from now on, <laughs> Mexican food is going to be mostly cayenne pepper. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. Cumin. Yep. You know, and we yeah. do use cumin and stuff. But it's like Americans decided that they didn't like that Mexican food. So they made <laughs> up their own. Now maybe I'm thinking I need more tacos. And then called it Mexican. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. We did the same thing with Chinese food. If you ever eat oh, yeah. Chinese same food. Exactly. Same thing with Chinese food. Same thing with soccer. When the MLS started, they were like, we don't like some of these rules. So instead of like the, uh, you know, just having somebody run up and kick the ball at the goalie, there's going to be like this thing where like they, they run it down and the goals are going to be bigger for more scoring and stuff. And like the rest of the world was like, guys, what are you doing? They're like, up, 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 up. We know what sells, guys. Right. <laughs> the same thing. It's the same thing that happened with Italian food. Yep. And Super Sentai. And that's the thing is, you know, I, I can I can understand that where one thing influences another. You know, where you know you look at Italian food, like actual Italian food. You know, pasta didn't exist in Italy until some guy went to China and brought it back, and that wasn't that long ago. You know, it, <laughs> pasta wasn't part of Italian food. Or hasn't been for that long, all things considered. But it really took root. But Italians don't call that Chinese food. <laughs> well, remember, you can't say American without saying arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, what do you need more of? Uh, uh, hope, um, love, faith, major spoilers, <laughs> tacos, right, others. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I feel like love is the right answer just because of the Beatles. Okay. But, um, yeah, yeah, love would probably solve a lot of stuff, but no one in the world has really tried major spoilers yet. So, I mean, you mean everyone in the world? Yeah. Okay. And those three get tossed around a lot, but if we're looking for new ideas, and in Germany, the majority of the world has spoilers so they yeah. should people should give that a shot i think they should before the next i know it keeps me somewhat sane during uh work and really have you listened to this show well no this is this is this is what keeps me sane oh okay matthew no, wh- what what do well, you no, need more this is of the good saying what do you need I... more of <laughs> well you have to understand a couple of things i'm an old guy and uh, I've been married to the same woman for just about as long as Zach has been alive. Hello. So I'm an old, boring guy. 
And when it comes to the question of love, you know, love has a different meaning when you've been married for 20 years. Love is, you know, getting kicked in the evening to tell you that the child is throwing up and it's your job to fix it. Uh, love is, uh, I'm going to put in the uh, brake fluid this week because the car is burning it. So I don't necessarily need more of that. I mean, I think if I had another wife, I'd probably die. And Hope and Faith, of course, are my nieces, and they're both adorable, but God help me, they're just absolute dynamos, and I don't want more of those. And major spoilers, you know, I have three jobs. If I had more major spoilers, actually, that would be kind of a cool thing. But nonetheless, I chose other. Show your answer. Show your work. Oh, my other, I chose eye candy. (laughs) Uh, Recently... (laughs) I got a new phone. I got uh Oh, Razor I can't, I thought you said iCarly and I was like, "Holy crap, what?" <laughs> no, iCarly has been canceled. Anyway, this this Razer X secretly speeds elder brother. No, wait, it's a Razer M secretly speeds Razer uh, older brother Rem. But uh, I got this and I've been using it to look at the Intar webs and I've actually been using it to update major spoilers, which my old phone was a lot more problematic with. But there are many things in the world that I could just go and look at things. Today, I was looking at a website, and I was like, superhero costumes, and there wasn't any porn. And I was looking at the costumes, and I'm like, all oh, right, this thing still has a safe search. And then, of course, you know, there's Super Sentai, which is fascinating, and all of the awesome things on major spoilers and stuff like Geek Girl that I've never seen before. And if you go out and just do like an image search for anything at random, you can find awesome stuff that you can then turn into a question of the day. Yep. So, there you, go. you know, I'm just saying more awesome stuff to look at. That's what I want out of the universe. So countries that I've not yet visited major spoilers, Iceland, hmm. um, whatever. I'm, I'm guessing it's Syria. <laughs> oh, uh, Iraq has been here. Um, Good and then there gosh. are some Good. there. I think it's there are a couple of West African uh, what is that? Ethiopia has not been here, and then uh, some along the uh, Gold Coast have not been here, uh, and no one from Cuba yet. So Fidel, Fidel, what? not a well, Fidel, not a fan of the. Uh, yeah, they do. I think they just opened that up, though, if I remember a story okay. that I read. So Iceland. So oh, and of course, the entire continent of Antarctica has no not been, been here there? yet. Not from Antarctica. That's sad. Sheldon Cooper was up there. I'm sure he checked this out. So, you know, what do I really need more of? Uh, I think I'm okay with my faith, and I think I've got plenty of love. I have hope that Matthew will someday do stories that I ask him to do, and I hope someday that we'll get uh, Rodrigo back here at the uh, Major Spoilers HQ to record a show. And I have hopes that Zach will... uh, Zach's voice will... Yes, will change. Will finally drop. Uh, so I think hope, oh, yeah. I, I think really, to be honest, I think what I need more of, and maybe what we really need more of is hope, right? Hope that we'll mm-hmm. stop being a bunch of jack wagons, you know, as a, as a collective mm-hmm. group, hope that we will get our crap that together and, uh, you know, and just, just smarten up as a, as a culture and as a, as a people. Uh, I really would love to hope that in this next year that, uh, I could quit my job and do this full time and then be able to bring enough income in to let Matthew quit his job and Rodrigo and give Zach a job when he graduates and uh, all these other people that do some fine work for us, get them some pay. That's what I, you know, I really, really hope, I guess is, is what I would, would say. 
And uh, listeners, really seriously, we are at to the point now that we could seriously do this as an endeavor if we got just our listeners and the people who visit our website. Uh, you know, if everybody who listened to the Major Spoilers podcast, if everybody who listened to our Critical Hit podcast, if even a half or even less, even if it's a a, a fourth of the people who visit the Major Spoilers website on a monthly basis kicked in a two or five dollar a month recurring donation. That's it. Twenty four bucks a year from you who are listening. We could quit our jobs, to be honest. I've run the numbers. And feed Sally's troubles. We could quit our jobs and do this full time. And what ends up happening is for everyone who makes those two or five or ten dollar a month recurring donations, this isn't supposed to be an ad, I'm just being honest with you. For those people that are donating, you know, that translates to more major spoilers, which is what apparently more people want is more major spoilers. And, you know, for people that, and maybe in this next year, and I, I need to kind of probably make a manifesto or a pledge or something that uh, if we hit a certain dollar amount by April or May, you know, people who are hitting that $10 a month recurring donation, I think we could probably kick in some extra stuff for those people that do that. Uh, that do a recurring stuff. People have been asking, why don't you guys do this? Why don't you do that? Well, a lot of it is time and money. Mm. If we had the money so that we could quit our jobs, we could do this and we'd have more time to do this, which may include even some more shows or more bonus content specifically for uh, those people that pledge at these different amounts. And some people might say, well, why don't you just go to Kickstarter? Look, Mm. the amount of money that we're looking for to do this in per year or whatever uh, Kickstarter, people that are above that $100,000 mark on Kickstarter rarely get funded. The percentage of Kickstarter uh, campaigns that start, there's like a 6% chance of success. So I would hate for people to say, oh, yeah, I want to give to this Kickstarter campaign, and then it failed just because it's it's a large amount. But, right. you know, if you're sitting there at home and saying, you know what, I've gotten a lot of pleasure out of the Major Spoilers website, out of Matthew's Dice Rolls, out of... Um, the major spoilers podcast no, and the was dueling me. review podcast just, and Rodrigo's uh, dice rolls, <laughs> critical hit. I just got. I just rolled a. I just rolled a d six and we didn't get the funding. What? What did we get? <laughs> Crap. What did we, we roll? A one. Roll. We actually got a one. Yay! Well, we yeah, that's a critical. We watched the funding. Well, I, I say, I you know what? Maybe we botched our funding, but maybe our listeners can help us out. And I'm serious. I mean, if we hit by May, if we hit the the magic dollar amount. And, you know, I could tell you what that dollar amount is. It's not going to do you much good if you're just sitting there going, oh, I'll let somebody else contribute $2 mm-hmm. a month. Seriously, contribute that $2 a month. If every single one of you contribute that $2 a month, you'll see that cascading effect. Suddenly Steven says, hey, I'm no longer working at my job. Then you'll see Rodrigo say, hey, I'm not working at my job. And then Matthew mm-hmm. saying, hey, I'm not working at my job. And Zach saying, hey, I got a job. Woo! And Rob saying, hey, I got a job. <laughs> and Brian saying, hey, I don't have to work overnights anymore. You know, you'll see these things happening, and then suddenly no, the site still, starts. We still make Brian work overnights, <laughs> but just so we can get that sweet, sweet Skylander discounts. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, these are things that can happen when things are funded properly, and you know, we're not funded by CBS. We're not owned by CBS. We're not getting payoffs from uh, uh, what's the company that does the Cross Comics. We're not getting paid by them. We are not in bed with with DC or Marvel. Uh, so we, we don't get any kickbacks from comiXology. The only place we get a kickback from are our donors, the small amount of advertising we have on our, our website and the people that, that purchase through our amazon.com link. 
So really, this is this is a a source funded, crowd funded initiative. And I have hope. I have hope and I have a dream and I have all this stuff that um, that you guys can make our dreams come true and thus make your uh, wishes come true as well. Because, Matthew, what do what do the listeners really need more of? What do the major spoilerites really need more of? Well, according to our major spoilers poll of the week, 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 a whopping 74% want tacos. (laughs) (laughs) Told ya. Roughly 25%. Roughly 25% of the podcast team are having overheating issues and can't get major spoilers to load right now. But I believe... I can can give you a number here if you want. Pick it up. Sure, go ahead. All right. Here's what, I'm, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm looking at. Um, we have hope at 13%, faith at 11%, love at 28%, other at 7%, and the number one choice so far, major spoilers with 41%. So 41% of I you. I see 140 votes. 41% of you say, hey, we want more major spoilers. Mm-hmm. If 41% of the people that visit this site on a monthly basis gave the two or five dollars two or five dollars a month recurring we'd be set 41 percent of you that's all it takes right um but we know that 41 percent. so we really appreciate those people that do the ten dollar a month recurring and like i said for those people that jump on that ten dollar a month recurring we hit that magic number there will be bonus content there will be something special just for those people and i'll i'll have to write this out in the next week and just laid out what I would like to see. And if we can do it, great. If we don't do it, man, that's okay too. We're still going to try to keep this going as long as we can. Like I said, Zach's going to have to find a job eventually. Rob's going to have to find a job eventually. Rodrigo's going to have to find a job eventually. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen this. I've seen the state of the state. I know what PBS is getting funded this uh, year. Okay. Hey, I, I recommend finding a bunker. Because my new job is 20 floors below sea level in a bunker, and it's awesome. We have bunkers here. Yes, we do. So that's my hope for 2013, (laughs) and I wish we had more hope all the way around. So thank you, listeners. You can head over to Majorspoilers.com. Cast your vote in the poll of the week. Didn't mean it to turn into that, but it just kind of turned into it as we were talking. Mm -hmm. Um, After the 17-minute digression about tacos. (laughs) Hey, I like tacos. You know, uh, I do too. I love the fact that Rodrigo had a Matthew digression, though. That's just woo takes the weight off of me. <laughs> yeah, this this is this poll of the week brought to you by not Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not Taco Time. Well, you know what? This uh, portion of the Major Spoilers podcast is brought to you by TweakedAudio.com. Tweaked Audio, you can uh, they've got some great headphones. Zach's been using his. I've been using mine. Uh, Matthew has been using or Matthew's wife has been using hers. Uh, Rodrigo is using his, I mean, we all have got a pair of these tweaked, all different brands, all different models. They have a bunch of different, oh, I shouldn't say brands, different types, yeah. colors, uh, uh, options that come with them. Sizes. We've been using them for a long time. A lot of different sizes too. One size fits all little, uh, cushions that you can put in. They're nice. Head over to tweakedaudio.com. We really appreciate their sponsorship. When you use the checkout code major, you get one third off the cost. In fact, I had an email from somebody. Let me see if I can find it. If not, I'll read it in in the uh, next podcast. But somebody just had an amazing thing to say about tweakedaudio.com. Go check them out. We appreciate them. Why don't we take a quick break now? Why don't we listen to uh, Cat Halo talk a little bit about Lincoln and a few other things that are going on in his pop culture life this week. 
Greetings and salutations major spoilers. Cat Halo back again with a few more movie ramblings. Firstly though, congratulations guys on this, your 499th show. Very cool and good luck with the 500th. So, it was a big weekend for movies this side of the Atlantic. Lincoln was finally released along with Zero Dark Thirty and Arnie's The Last Stand also came out. So far I've seen two of them. My Lincoln review is already up on Majorspoilers.com and my last stand one should be up in the coming days. Check the site to see which film is a final example of exceptional filmmaking with an impeccable script and powerhouse acting and which film features Arnie. Um, I'll be seeing Zero Dark Thirty on Wednesday so those thoughts should follow. I also wanted to point out that I am pretty happy with the announcement of J.J. Abrams as the Episode 7 director. Happy, but with some reservations. Check out Major Spoilers forums to share your thoughts on this and a whole bunch of other stuff, including talk of last weekend's Royal Rumble. On the comic front, I just finished Final Crisis again. This time round, I have a much better knowledge of DC and the universe and was hoping it would vastly improve the quality of the book. It didn't. It's still bonkers. There are some cool moments, but ultimately not that great. Of the Crisis books, the only one that I'd actually be eager to read again would be Identity Crisis, which was deadly. And I'll leave it there for now. Um, don't forget, you can follow me on the Twitter, at CatHaloMovies. And if you have the time or the inclination, you can like my Facebook page, CatHaloMovies. That will do it for now. Thanks, guys, and have a fantastic week. Thank you so much for those thoughts and listeners. As always, you can send in your thoughts and comments and ideas. That's what they say out here in western Kansas, ideas. I got ideas. They also say that, strangely enough, in England. Do they? Ideas? Uh, anyway, you can send yeah, them the along at the Major Spoilers podcast. Matthew, the phone number is... 785-727-1939. The Major Spoilers saying the numbers individually. Hotline. So one of the very first online comics that went to kind of a pay model where they're like, hey, we're going to fund based on you guys buying our webcomic stuff. I mean, even though you could read Girl Genius online for free, we're still going to sell our electronic versions of this. We're still going to sell our print versions of this directly through our online store. And that was um, Phil and Kaja Folio with the Girl Genius uh, series that they have. Uh, they had started it out as a print comic. And then, you know, just because of when we've heard these tales before about these indie publishers can't getting someone to distribute or they don't have enough issues being distributed and, uh, they just went on their own and said, we're taking it to the web and that's how we're going to make our, our money. And they've been doing fine ever since. Mm. And so uh, this week we finally get around to taking a look at Girl Genius Volume 1 from, uh, what is their publisher name? It's like Airship Publishing or something is their publisher. I actually bought uh, digital versions through the, what is it, Comics Ace website. I think you can, I think you can also get it at Comixology and other places. So in this first volume... We meet Agatha Clay, a, a Transylvanian poly, polygnostic university student who uh, may have some powers beyond those of mere man. Rodrigo, what's this world uh, that we're that we're in? It's not quite steampunk, but it is very steampunky to an extent. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. Honestly, it, it's it's more like electropunk. It's like actually, you know what it is? It's Tesla punk. Is, is that what it is? is? Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, one I, of the big things the is creators this. creators call it gas lamp comics. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's uh, the idea here is that it's it's a it's a kind of an Eastern European 
um, country. Uh, and I guess technically it's like, it's like set in the real world, sort of. It's like, this is Transylvania, so it's in Romania. Right. Um, and um, there are people who are, um, who have what they're calling the, the spark, which allows them to create incredible machines and possibly do other things, but we haven't gotten that far. Mm-hmm. Um, and those people tend to congregate around the university and um we kind of uh get kicked off here and you can see like the the um the dress is kind of a, a mix of like uh edwardian mm-hmm. with a little bit of like i don't know kind of early like late 19th century kind of stuff um and also giant robots <laughs> chicks dig the giant robots yeah they're way into them. And so we meet Agatha, who uh, right at the beginning of the story gets robbed by a couple of uh, soldiers that just got into town, and they steal this brooch that she's been wearing around her neck, and she's distraught because this was the only thing that she had to remind her of her parents. So she's an orphan, right? She's being raised by, I don't think it's, I don't even know who she's being raised by, just some people, the uh, the, Mm -hmm. I guess the Clays. Um, We don't know what their relationship is. Uh, but we know her uncle is kind of like the uh, governor, mayor of the city. And he's given her this this brooch and said, always wear it. You know, this will uh, help you remind you of your parents. And she gets to the university and uh, we meet the, I don't know, what would you call him, Matthew? The president of the country? The, the I'm blood- not entirely sure. He seems kind of kingy yeah. or maybe regenty. Rodrigo, do you have another thought on on uh, on this guy? The the big uh, yeah, he's not really he's, the big bad, but he's kind of like one of the last sparks or whatever. Yeah, I mean, he's somebody who is clearly in control of everyone, um, and um, the land of he's, Yeah, he's got he's got this idea that he wants to find the people who have the spark. And get them working for him so that they are presumably not a threat and also so that he can advance his stuff. Clearly, he has it. He's a super duper mechanical genius. And uh, his son exhibits a lot of the same traits. And uh, as we find out, like a lot of the uh, early part of this book is all one giant idiotic test for his son. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And of course, the people that were tasked to put together this idiotic test are not super geniuses. They they don't hit that high level. Yeah. And one of them trips out and basically says, oh, yeah, well, the mayor's been hiding this uh, nest of parademons or whatever they are. And, of course, that, that causes all sorts of uh, back, backlash. Matthew? <laughs> Fill us in it's on... It's actually fascinating to read. Why is that? Well, because I this whole volume is very weird. And when we get to the point where we meet the Baron and the Baron shows up, he has these weird goblin critters who serve as his uh, imperial guard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they all talk like this for some reason. They talk as though they are German with a <laughs> right. huge overbite, right. which makes sense because they are, in fact, possessed of a huge overbite. But as we go through this, we see Agatha wake up from a dream where she apparently is dreaming of something that really happened 
when she was a kid and her uncle became very frightened of what had happened and what she was exhibiting so young. And she wakes up and apparently has done something in her underwear. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> she has, she has uh, accomplished something while yes. she was wearing her underwear. Not yes. she didn't do something in her underwear. <laughs> Rodrigo. Really? I'm just saying, I'm just clearing it up. Yeah, just, uh, yeah. That's true. Semantically, it was an unclear statement. Right. So, yeah, and what she's done and and what we're... Runs through the streets of Beetleburg. So what we're led to believe is that this uh, thing that that she has the spark, she has the power Mm -hmm. to create this weird merging of science and magic together. And... we're also led to believe that this brooch that she's been wearing around her neck has been inhibiting her powers because we find out that one of the soldiers dies because he's been holding on to this thing. And the other soldier is kind of trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Zach, he, uh, heads off to the place where she's supposedly staying and finds right. her and, uh, fill us in on what and happens there. Then he confronts her and whack, bam, boom. He gets knocked out. The brawn, Angry guy is, uh, they, how do they get turned on to the, oh, well, no, the, they're the, the machine, they're following, he, they reverse yeah. engineer the robot and he follows mm-hmm. him back to the, uh, the mechanical shop mm-hmm. and there they, the two lay and obviously this robot has been created by one of the two, he being, uh, his evil self just assumes it was the man who created this robot and needs well, to find no, out what, because, uh, he he doesn't just assume that it was the guys because he's met her before, right? But right. she wasn't. Oh, oh, right, that's right. That's when they right. saw when they when they found out about her, they're like, "Well, she's been working on this for ages. There's no way she has the spark. Otherwise, we would have seen a breakthrough." Right, 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 right. Because uh, she was wearing the the brooch at the time. So when they find him, they're like, "Well, it can't be her because she doesn't have the spark. So it has to be him." Right, right. And they're knocked out because they open like this when the soldiers get there, they just throw a knockout grenade in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the son of the, of the Baron uh, says, hmm, he uses his noggin, his deductive reasoning and saying, look, she's got oil all over her hands. This guy's clean, except for he's wearing kind of the mud that he just tracked in from town. So there's no way he could have built this. Let's take them both to my hangout, wherever that may be. And I'll sort it out there. And that's kind of the gist of this, yeah. this yeah. first volume. It's 100 pages. We really don't get, we're just really introduced to the characters in this. Now, um, you can get, I guess there's 11 volumes that you can now get of this series. Uh, I was just looking at volume two. It is also just over 100 pages. Volume three looks like they're roughly running about 100, 115 pages each um, in this series. What were you going to say, Matthew? Oh, no, I was just yipping. Oh, okay. So just to give you a heads up, the title of volume two is The Airship City. Hmm, maybe that will give us a hint as to where they have taken her following this uh, this maybe volume. Maybe it's a city made of... On an no. airship. Airships. No, I'll bet you it's a city in the clouds, and Agatha has an old friend named Lando. <laughs> Rodrigo, what did you think of the city, the setting, uh, and uh, the kind of the introduction of this world? That was really interesting. I I like that uh, 
I like that there's no overt magic. I like it like kind of the expression of magic in this world is just kind of this uh, clearly impossible technology. Um, I like the idea of people um, just uh, of special people in uh, of the special people in this world not being, uh, you know, not having literal superpowers, not shooting lasers from their eyes or having some kind of elemental manifestation or something like that, at least not that we've seen so far, right. but that um, the the expression of uh, of that superhumanity is um, an, an advanced intellect or an ability to create um, things that other people can't. I think that's a that's a really cool concept, and it's something that uh, obviously is not exclusive to this uh, to this story, but mm-hmm. is is something that is very resonant. Do you? Uh, I was just curious because at one point you said you don't like the high fantasy, and especially as we're playing Critical Hit, uh, is this more of the type of world you're thinking in? in your critical hit world or your in the kind of worlds that you like? Well, critical hit is high fantasy. I mean, there's all kinds of super wacky things. Right, right, right. I don't like high mid. It's not that I don't like high fantasy is that I don't like medieval fantasy. Um, that's what I'm kind of tired of. I'm okay with high fantasy. As long as it's not, if you can't draw a completely direct line to it, or from it to Tolkien, mm-hmm. then I'm way more into it than if you can. And I, I don't have anything against Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit or anything like that. It's just like that is all that fantasy has become, mm-hmm. um, at least, or it had for a long time. Okay. Uh, so this isn't like that. You know, this isn't something that's straight out of Tolkien. Right. Uh, so that's nice, at least. Zach, this is the first time, maybe the first time you've encountered a really super independent comic? Maybe? Yeah, I'd say that, probably. What'd you think? I enjoyed it. I when I was reading it, I read it at weird times of the night, and some of the co- characters I got mixed up and wasn't following. I'm sure, but that was probably just totally me being in a weird sleep deprived state. But I I enjoyed it, and I was disappointed when it ended so early. Yeah, I thought. I mean, I thought it ended short because it is a sh- such a short story, but. It has me interested in what was more, and unlike some comics we've read lately where I haven't wanted to pick it up again, this, I wasn't completely thrilled about, or I wasn't super excited, like this is the best thing I've ever read, but interested to see where they take that mixture of mechanical awesomeness and magicry. Mm-hmm. Matthew, did you like this introduction? Or were you hoping for more... I you know, more a plot. No, I, I'm not necessarily about the plot. The plot oftentimes isn't the best part of it because there are really only seven basic plots. There's what the hero's journey and the quest and the go find something. And I think deep throat is in there somewhere, but when it comes down to it, for me, the central character is likable. The central character is awesome And they go out of their way to do something that I love and hate all at once. It's a Chris Claremont thing. When someone has a funny accent, it is rendered phonetically. Mm -hmm. So you can say it in your head. One of these days, we're going to go and talk like the goblins. Which I kind of thought was pretty awesome. The, Mm -hmm. The basic concept here is one we've seen. 
before. Right. It's, you know, the, the lone orphan kid who suddenly discovers that they have a strange magical destiny. That's awesome. You know, that's Star Wars. So that, to me, I think was the least interesting part of it. But what we got was something that, at least in my experience, is a pretty unique take on the setting. It's not that I, I think people really, really abuse the steampunk term mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. But it's not that steampunk uh, aesthetic that we see so much today, which basically means, you know, naked girls with big keys on their breasts or something. But all of the characters seem to have an internal life. And even, you know, minor characters like Agatha's professor have something about them where they're like, they're frustrated at working under the Baron's thumb and they're angry that they've been manipulated in this plot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they take the time, even though there's no there's no reason to talk about it if this is Agatha's story. But they take a moment to say, we hate this. This sucks. Right, because it kind of sets up the... disappear from the story. Yeah, but it sets up kind of the class yeah. system that's going on in this world. Yeah. And it gives them their own voice and their own life. And the technology is just fascinatingly beautiful Mm -hmm. throughout this whole thing. Anytime you see something that's mechanized or roboticized or however you want to say it, it's just gorgeous to stare at. Yeah. You know, when, when, uh, I'm just hoping that eventually, you know, Phil and Dixie do get to do their sex in D and D special. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that in just a moment, but you know, as I'm reading this, I kept thinking, you know, this is the only thing that's missing is bending capabilities. Right. Okay. And that's kind of what the spark is because mm-hmm. it almost feels yeah. like this is that world that we see in the last airbender, mm-hmm. but just a different part of the world. Uh, that's, that's kind of what I kind of dug are on. Definitely similarities. Um, this is the European version of that Asian type story. Right, exactly. This is a different continent in that same world. Yeah, uh, because they make references to, yes, uh, so-and-so was, maybe it was even her parents, were going to make their way to the Americas. How crazy is that? Or uh, made some reference to the Americas mm-hmm. as this far off you know, place that you would never venture to. And maybe we'll see that in future. I mean, this has been going on for a long time, this story. I forget when this, uh, what year this was first... Uh, First came out, I don't think it has any dates, 2000, so 12 years ago, okay? And I kind of had some, I remember when I was, yeah, so maybe right around 2000 in California when I was living there, I remember seeing this in print in the individual issues and remember grabbing some of these in the individual issues and uh, flipping through them and go, oh, this is cool. This is kind of neat, kind of different. What's this girl's powers? But because it's so independent, it's kind of like what we talked about I don't remember what show it was, but it's um, so scattered mm. that you did, could, yeah, trouble with girls. It's so scattered that it was hard to follow the storyline. And then, of course, they decided to take it all online. I was so happy with that, and uh, I've been a kind of a supporter by buying these digital editions as they come out. So, um, the other thing that's really fascinating about this is the art. And Matthew and I have been a fan of the folio art for a very long time. In their uh, Buck Godot series that they did, which was another independent uh, series, and also their uh, Xenophile mm-hmm. series, which was their adult um, sex uh, comic yeah. that they did. And it was grown up stuff. Yes, yes. Lots of grown up stuff in that book. <laughs> it so had, young, It had the boobies in it. I don't think young Zach is old enough to uh, to read that yet. No, probably not. So what about the, uh, what about the art, yeah, uh, Matthew? Give us a breakdown of the, of the, of the Phil art. Love it, but it has its peccadilloes. Right. And 
you have to kind of get used to wide-eyed characters and characters with some cartoonishness to their expression, even though most of the time the figure work is very much uh, standardized. It's very human looking. Mm-hmm. You get moments where everything is just wildly over. It kind of reminds me of that that manga style, like Scott McCloud talks about in right, uh, right. Understanding Comics, where you have very realistic, photorealistic, detailed backgrounds, and then the characters are allowed to have some some uh, differentiation from human form yeah. because I, they are a little bit caricature. Well, and I think the, the biggest place that people will notice that is in the faces because instead of having a more uh, oval-shaped face, most of the characters will have a round ball for a head with kind of mm-hmm. facial features pa- pasted on. And it seems like the more evil someone is, the more pointy their teeth get. Now, I would say that the guards uh, in this book are a built creature. They're not, um, you know, they're not some subhuman They're Well, I mean, they are subhuman, but, uh, they are something that's genetically engineered to be that way with the underbite and the sharp pointy teeth. But there are other times where characters are just there with yelling and their teeth get a little pointy. Um, Rodrigo, I'm curious from you, what you thought Mm -hmm. of, of the art. Uh, well, I like the robots and the backgrounds are really nice and detailed, but in general, I really hate Phil Foley's art. I mean, I guess I don't hate it. I just really don't like it. Um, and this was a, a pretty concentrated dose. Zach, what about you? I had, I mean, I had no problem with it. The guard thing scared the bejesus out of me with their pointy teeth. And the, I thought the layouts. Yeah. The layouts in some of the page, just the paneling, how he set up and paced the story through the different amounts of paneling and the structures of the paneling and how the panels would overlap with each other, depending on the situations. I enjoyed that. So I'm uh, this first volume, I think is what actually saw print originally because it is black and white. Volume two starts everything in color, and I believe that's when they took it online. So, and again, I'm interested in, in uh, reading further uh, to see how uh, the pages play out because it's basically a page. Uh, I think they come out with a new page every three days that they come out with Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or their update schedule on the website. Um, I, 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 you know, Rodrigo, I totally see where you're coming from in, especially the character work is what it sounds like you have the biggest problem with. And it is, I think, an acquired taste. You either like it or you don't, and that's okay, I think, in either way. Right? I mean, is it is that what it is? Yeah. Just one of I those mean, acquired it, taste things? Yeah, there's, you know, there's there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's just, you're just going to run into line work that you don't like. And there's something about Phil Folia stuff. I've been aware of it for a long time. And when I saw it in the back of, like, Dragon Magazine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. And when mm-hmm. I saw it on Magic Cards, I didn't like it. Um, and I don't know. It's just one of those things. It's it's hard to describe what it is I don't like about it. Whereas some yeah. where I actually like somebody like um, Chris Bacallo or whatever, you know, super stylized mm-hmm. guy, like super yeah. stylized stuff that he draws, but very different from this. It's just like it's this. It's that combination of maybe the round head with the giant eyes and the little cartoony mouth that moves around their face. Mm-hmm, it, yeah. it might be that, that I don't like. It's hard for me to put my thumb on it, but there's just something and, about it that I don't like. And there is, I mean, there is a lot to be said for 
One of my problems with uh, uh, what's his face who draws Spider Man, Humberto uh, Ramos. Yeah, yeah, him. Ramos. <clears throat> Roberto Duran's art bothers me because when he takes liberties, he takes liberties with form and proportion. Whereas Phil Folio takes his liberties, I think, in the facial structure and mm-hmm. the, the actual character to where you never forget that these are cartoons. Right. These are very cartoony in the classical sense of they look like they were, you know, sketched out and they have the squash and stretch proportions like an episode of Tom and Jerry. And in a standard, you know, in what's what's basically just a dramatic story with some some humorous overtones, that kind of character design can be, you know, there's a dissonance, I think. It feels like we have cartoony comedy characters in something that's actually being played as a straight drama. So I can definitely see where that would be problematic. And, you know, given the fact that I love Mike Allred, and anytime I review a Mike Allred comic, I hear tons of Oh, people yeah, there's a lot of people that just say, his art. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And same way people say the same thing with Burn, same way they say the same thing Rob with Liefeld. Ramos, same way with Liefeld, same way with Lee. A lot of people just are always going to have what they like and don't like about the individual um, individual artists. And again, it's in the eye of the beholder, right? So what yeah. some people hate about Rob Liefeld, other people are just like, give me more, give me more. And so we'd see more pouches appear all over. Yeah, I just there. looked at the the folio magic art Rodrigo's talking about, and I don't like it on the cards. I don't feel like it has the right mood or just yeah. the right. Yeah, it definitely doesn't yeah. have the right feel. It, for yeah, magic. it doesn't have the right feel for magic cards. Um, but in, in my mind, I think, in my mind, that the way I set up this story definitely. is okay. Yeah, and I think I think that's important too. And I think that's why, you know, if you told me, well, we're gonna review the next volume and then the next volume and then the next volume over the next handful of years, I would be okay with it because here he's setting up everything, right? Everything right. that's going on here, I mean, or maybe between the two of them, everything that's happening here is all folio all the time. So it gives you an opportunity to get used to it and it gives you an opportunity to, to roll with it. Um, so I would be okay with it. I mean, the art didn't really throw me off except every once in a while I'd be like, what is that strange feeling that I am feeling right now? I was like, Oh yeah, I just remember. <laughs> I really don't like this art, yeah, but I yeah. actually got into the story. So I forgot. Oh, that's good. I mean, that's really good. So, uh, Zach, what's kind of the bottom line for you? Did you enjoy this book? Did you not enjoy this book? Give me your final thoughts and, let me know if you'd recommend it to other people. Um, did I enjoy this book? I en- yes. You don't seem too sure about that. Well, answer. It it's was, okay if you don't I mean, like it. No, no, you no, can no, always no. say that you don't like something. I know I can. I mean, Matthew will sit there and still ridicule you whether I you know. like something. Oh, or not. I agree. You, you, I'm always <laughs> wrong. I'm always wrong. My name's Zach, and I like the wrong things, except when I like the right things. It's probably <laughs> just ironically. Probably because that's how I talk. Uh huh. This intrigued me enough that I didn't think it was the best story I've ever read, but it intrigued me enough that I want to find out how the world keeps building and what happens to Agatha just because I find the concept intriguing. Would you recommend it to somebody else? Let me ask you this. No one that I know. Okay. (laughs) Not even Matthew? (laughs) Um... Are you interested enough to go over to the website? Because, you know, the whole thing's online. Mm-hmm. Are you interested enough to go and start reading from this issue on? 
I would definitely read some more pages until I had a problem with it. But at the moment, I would keep reading. Okay. Um, uh, Rodrigo, what about you? Uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot in here to like. A lot of the concepts are cool, and a lot of the ideas and a lot of the plot is very interesting. You want to find out more about how this place is run and about who this person is and about who these characters actually were, you know, in a, in a past life, not not quite in the literal sense, but, you know, what they did before they started laying low. That said, I don't like the art. And at times, I think the pace is clear that there's either some filling going on or they're just a little bit too concerned with that, with the exposition that, I mean, there were times like th- that scene at the lab just took forever. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, all together, I'm really not crazy about it because in the end, it's a comic book and I'm going to be looking at the art the whole time. I would not go to the website and keep reading as I had ample opportunity because you've pointed Girl Genius out to me for about times. two years now. And, yeah. And I just kind of, yes. Um, and I just kind of, I'm not interested. Again, there's a lot of in here to like, but between the art and the fact that, uh, once again, I'm staring down the barrel of an orphan with mystic powers and a past that she doesn't know anything about, I'd give this a pass. Matthew, what about you? Uh, when you initially said, hey, you should totally read that. Wait, that's that's Zach's voice. When Stephen initially said you should totally read this, he said you should read it as a webcomic, and I'm not a webcomic guy. I am a come back every three to six months and read a three to six months worth of comics guy. Collected, I feel like it reads better. It reads very well. It's very smooth. I don't necessarily have a problem with Phil's art in this because the backgrounds are so detailed and there's such a density to the work that I can kind of accept that everybody has a beard that's drawn by just fletching lines across their chin and their eyes are enormous and look like they were drawn by Chuck Jones. That said, there are elements of this art that still torque me. Uh, the whole sequence where Agatha is in her underwear yeah, yeah. in black and white looks like a frilly superhero costume which I found quite distracting because I didn't realize that that was meant to be her underwear until 16 pages later when somebody said, well, she's standing here in her underwear. Mm -hmm. I think that there are some, there are some storytelling conceits in this first volume that don't work because they were designed in that day over day. Here's a, here's a bit, here's a bit, here's a bit web comic format. Here's a chunk. Here's a chunk. And by the time we get to the end, I feel like a lot of that smoothness, they've kind of, gotten the gears working a lot smoother than at the very beginning. I would say I'd definitely be willing to look at volume two. I'd be willing to look at more of this book, but I don't think it's one for everybody. I would say definitely check it out if you've got kind of that steampunky kind of vibe, or if you really dig something that has kind of that, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, gears on boobies kind of feel. Yeah. And I would say, you know, check it out if you if you're familiar with Phil's work and you love it or if it's something that, you know, ties into your giant robot fetish, absolutely check this out. But I I'm, I'm going to say it's not for everybody and I think that, you know, Rodrigo and Zach's reaction kind of exemplify that. It's not that it's bad, it's just not not necessarily their bag. Yeah, it's just a, it's not maybe not something for everyone. I, you know, um I guess my big disappointment in reading this first electronic version was and again, 
I'm almost positive that this comprises the first handful of individual issues that had come out. Um, and you know, so my disappointment was I was expecting, let's get to the big climax and the big reveal Mm -hmm. in this first collected trade. And that's not what you get. No, you know, you get half of the story. It's almost like you need the two volumes put together. And I think they do sell like a supersized edition that maybe the first three volumes together or something like that. Um, where you actually get some kind of payoff and you find out what's going on. And I think this is a good, um, kind of prologue to everything. Um, that being said, it's been a web comic for a long time and I've still kind of scatterbrained it here and there. Oh yeah. Let me go check and see if I can see what's going on. I'm in like mind of, of, uh, Matthew here that there are some web comics that I can read every day and not have a problem with, right. PVP and, uh, and, um, um, mm-hmm. you know, some of the other ones that we've talked about before in the show, I, I can get into that and I will go check them out every day. Then there are some, and Rodrigo, I forget the web comic that you were going on about a while ago that updates like once every month or something. And it's very, oh, Dresden Kodak. yeah, the Dresden Kodak. It's, it's not even once a month. Oh it's boy. Like three times a year. And it's just like, ah, I could not stand doing that to where. If it's everyday serialized, I can work with. If it's three times a week, that starts to get pushing it for me because that means that there's four days out of the week that I can forget about it. Mm-hmm. And so I really need to sit down and read this in a collected volume. And that's what this needs. The folio work, yeah, I can I can see where you guys are coming from on the art. I really like the art style. Um, sometimes it in some panels it just falls apart, but other times it's so gorgeous and wonderful that uh, it's something that continues to be a draw for me. So anytime I see the folio names attached to a project. And we've seen uh, folio art on Munchkin land cards before. Um, it's one of the alternate cards mm-hmm. and I'm more than happy to take a look at it, take a read of it and, uh, and enjoy what they have to offer. So, uh, you know, kind of going along with everybody else, this isn't for everybody, but if you kind of like that steampunk fantasy and, uh, and I'm, I'm guessing some girl power in there as well, uh, go pick it up, go check it out, go check out their website. It's girlgenius.net is the, uh, uh, let me just double check. Make sure that's right. Because yeah, that's I'm what sure I'm going to do. There's porn if it isn't. Uh, <laughs> girl genius. Okay. It's g- girl genius online.com. Okay. Girl genius online.com. Dodged a porno bullet there. <laughs> well, maybe not. Let's go check out and see what girl genius.net is. That just redirects you back to the, uh, to the main site. So, wow. There you go. <laughs> All right, everybody, that wraps it up for this week's installment, our 499th episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and listening and enjoying and being a part over all these long years of the Major Spoilers experience and the Major Spoilers Podcast. We really appreciate it that much uh, from each and every one of you. Next week, hey, Rodrigo, what would you think of us reviewing Orchid Volume 1 next week? I'm down. All right. We're down with that too, because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will see you next time. (laughs) If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. Visit majorspoilers at majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the major spoilers forum. You can also follow major spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash major spoilers. Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page 
would be backwards, I suppose. I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as that comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. Yeah, what a major spoiler. Hulking green or gray I could just buzz through that brick wall Take their comic books away But then the little me would deal With all those tanks and bombs and guns Have you ever tried to read a series With all that going on Guess I need to rethink this plan How would I bag and board my comics With such huge hands Guess I already told ya What a major spoiler surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. What I really even need to keep up on all those escapades. I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being caught up in a fun beat in the Middle East with a king set though Copyright 2013.